1: Created by Patricia Raskin, a catalyst for positive change. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. And now, with Patricia Raskin Positive Living, here's your host, Patricia Raskin.
2: Hello everyone and welcome. Welcome on the East Coast in the afternoon and on the West Coast in the morning. Today we are talking to Bobby Burdett, who is a Director of Training for Health World Online, one of the largest wellness-oriented websites. She was co-creator of the first wellness center in the United States with Jack Travis and Marin Callender. She's a professional certified coach and board certified coach. Bobby will discuss Marin Callender's book, Why Dads Leave, insights and resources for when par- parents or when partners become parents. Welcome, Bobby. Hi, Patricia. Hi, everyone. Hi, it's great to talk to you. I used to live in your state in North Carolina. You're on the West Coast. I was on the East Coast. And it's just beautiful there. Yeah, you're in a very it special is, place in the country. Pat. Yeah, very special place.
0: And spring is springing.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I think it really helps when you have a gorgeous environment to live in, as you do on the west coast of uh, North Carolina. So let's talk about your, wor- your work as a coach. Now, explain to us what you do, and what is your connection to Marin Callender's book, Why Dad's Leap. Okay, well,
0: um, I've been a life coach for many years. Uh, and in coaching coaching is different than other forms of helping relationships in that it is a partnership that we form with our client and so rather than telling the client what they should do what we do is we help set an environment in which the client can discover for themselves what is best for them and so we look at things uh in a uh in a more with wellness coaching we look at things in a more holistic kind of uh, approach and from 12 dimensions of well-being
2: mm-hmm. right.
0: so it's very it's very inclusive and it's a very powerfully it's a, a powerful transformative kind of, uh, of process that helps the client to take action and to stay in action whatever that is for them
2: so, in terms of your connection to the book and to why dads leave, you're you're trying to work with couples before they leave each other, well, at, at any stage in the in the process.
0: But um, what I try to do is help couples to stay together, to to create meaningful relationships from these twelve dimensions of well-being. So, my relationship with the book is that. I've been friends with Jack John, John excuse me, Dr. John Travis, uh, we call him Jack, uh, and Maren for many, many years. Um, as you said in your bio, I was one of the co-creators of the First Wellness Center with Jack and eventually Marin and mm-hmm. some other people. Um, and what and this book as a life coach, I wanted a resource. I wanted one resource for my clients that I could say, "Look, here's a book. Read this. Explore this. See what you think." Um, and and so that they could explore together and by themselves to understand what was happening to them. I hear from people all the time it, this this bafflement about what is happening and the way the mind goes is essentially, there's a problem, it must be his fault, or it must be her fault. And so, a way to help them get into learning mode and to discover for themselves what actually is happening. So, when when Jack had this realization and wrote the article called, um, I think it was called, Why Men Leave, and got such an intense reaction... Um, and we started talking about it, um, I kept kind of being a stimulus saying, you need to write a book, you need to write a book about this. And when Maren started the book, and there were different phases where she'd kind of go in and out of it, and I just kind of kept, kept um uh, uh, impressing on her how important this subject is Mm -hmm. that it is it is a pandemic it is beyond pandemic it's really important it affects millions of people's lives and they don't even see
2: it and why why is that why why are there so many problems (laughs) what are you seeing is it is it just people lose interest in each other? They develop other interests. They stop communicating effectively. Um, what is it, Bobby? Well, there are a couple of things that I think happen,
0: and and so many of them kind of reach into the primal areas of how we are wired as human beings. That's why mm-hmm. we don't see it. So. Let me just get back to sort of what I think is at the core of it. And Maren describes this beautifully in her book, and Mm -hmm. she gives so many excellent uh, examples and excellent kind of resources for people to be able to investigate for themselves the veracity of what she's saying, what these other experts are saying, so that they can find for themselves that this is true. So I think at the core is, and Maren points this out, that at the core it's all about attachment, about appropriate attachment with another. We Um, have to understand, we have to get back to the neuroscience. We have to get back to the way that we as human beings are hardwired And we have to understand that when we are born, only 25% of our brains are formed. Now, where do the other 75% come from? Yes, it's part of the natural growing process, but actually it's the human experiences that help the rest of the brain form naturally. So if we do not have appropriate connection, if we don't have that caregiver looking into our eyes and reflecting back to us, mm-hmm. literally
2: our brain doesn't form correctly. Interesting. So let me let me back up for a minute. So yes. what you're saying is that if you haven't had a real nurturing parental experience, if you didn't yes. have that then or a caregiver it,
0: or or any caregiver. Right, really then it's because, difficult yeah, in later important.
2: it's difficult in later life to create that kind of healthy attachment is that what you're saying with well, a significant other
0: yeah it I think that it is uh, I think it is more difficult unless we go about it consciously knowing what we're you know, know knowing that that's what we're doing hmm. the other issue has to do with vulnerability. You know, and uh, and the resulting shame that occurs when we are not appropriately connected.
2: Mm.
0: That literally, what happens when we don't have a caregiver attending to us in a coherent way. And this is this is the the um, the uh, what I'm doing here is I'm citing the work of several. Uh, very well known and acknowledged professionals. Dan Siegel is one of my, uh, one of my teachers that I've learned a lot from. And so essentially what happens is that when we don't have that connection, when we don't have somebody that is sort of looking into our eyes and mirroring back to us who we are, that And we don't have a caregiver appropriately or coherently responding to our needs. Hmm. Is that is the sort of the beginning of a shame response. Essentially what they, what we do as children, as infants, is there's a kind of a complex decision that's made that essentially says, I'm not worth it.
2: I'm not worthy. So, so my question is though, when I listen to this, how many of us, Bobby, really had that? Really had a parent or a caregiver really give us that kind of focus, nurturing attention? A lot of us didn't have that. And that's why I think we have
0: such a preponderance of this problem. You know, with men, we, we know from the statistics that about 30% of men leave the relationship after the first child's born, um, you know. And as uh, as is explained in the book, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, there's all that attention that we we um, lavish on each other. And then, when the first child comes, the woman's attention is on the child and not on the man. He feels disconnected. And it's just easier to go away. So 30% leave physically, while a much higher percentage leave emotionally. They may still be married. They may still be in the family. But they're putting their energy um, uh, for in a lot of, of situations, on their work, on other things. And it may mm-hmm. take a long time, you know, for uh, the actual dissolution of the marriage uh, you know legally, but you know emotionally it might ha- you know very so, often it's it's damaged uh, for a very right. long time before that legal dissolution.
2: So the, the question is who is who is responsible for being that caregiver Is it the pa- the father, the mother, both the grandparent or just anyone in that child's life that gives them that nurturing? That's right, and th- I think that uh, originally, as
0: as Jack pointed out in your conversation, you know, I think that we humans were uh, evolutionarily, uh, in larger groups. So we had extended families. So when a child was being raised, a child they were raised by the grandparents, by the aunts, the uncles, you know, by the the whole village and yeah. we don't have that anymore. So, yes, it doesn't matter. I, I From many of my clients, and uh, I hear that their primary caregiver, that primary person who saw them might have been the grandparent or the aunt or an uncle or a, fr- a good friend of the family. So it really does, it only takes one person, <laughs> a, according to the research, one person who actually sees us to give mm. us that sense of, you know, of of connection.
2: Even if it's not for a long period of time. That's Even right. If it's, okay, because,
0: so. because we can hold on to what that person saw in us. I yes. hear this from clients all the time that, you know, maybe uh, they had a grandparent, you know, early in their lives, but that yeah. grandparent saw them and supported them in a way that has sustained them throughout the rest of their lives.
2: Yes, Yeah. so we, we have to realize how important that connection is, even if it's not a parental figure. That's right. And
0: teacher, I hear this a lot,
2: and I myself
0: had that experience where I had teachers who saw me and really were absolutely foundational in some of the the decisions I've made in my life because of what they saw in me and supported in me, where my parents were unable to do that. And there's no blame here, and Maren really points this out very clearly in her book. This is not about blame. It's about how we evolve. It's about what we experienced. We take forward very often what we've experienced. And so um, uh, everyone is doing, every parent, every caregiver is doing the very best they can with what they have. And and she really understands that, and and expresses that beautifully in her book.
2: Yeah, which is which is really important. So let's talk about some of the telltale signs that show that a couple is in trouble, and then we can certainly talk about the skills as well.
0: Yeah, um, a really excellent resource is the work of John Gottman and he is a uh, a relationship researcher or he was I'm not sure that he's doing that now but he created a very interesting laboratory in Seattle where he <sighs> brought together couples uh for a weekend and the couples were essentially hooked up to uh to uh, sensory mo- sensory monitoring devices that would monitor I think it was their heart rate, um, skin uh, uh, galvanic skin response, um, mm. some other things and then and they were the couple were videoed um, during the waking hours during the you know during the day and they were asked to discuss things, of importance in their relationship and in their lives. And they were videotaped, uh, while this monitoring was going on in terms of their physical response. Um. Then the researchers took all of that data and thin sliced so they were able to correlate minute facial expressions with what was being said with, uh, this sensory mon- uh, sensory monitoring uh, information. And what they found, and th- they compiled a mountain of data, and um, Dr. Gottman said that at the beginning of his research, he, he expected to find certain things. And there was an awful lot that he was surprised about and what he found. One of the things that he found was that there were four there were four, uh, uh, telltale signs in a relationship that that relationship may not endure. In fact, he's gotten so good. And what are they?
2: At, well, tell us yeah, what I'll they are. tell you
0: that in a minute, but let me just tell you this one other thing. He's gotten so good at being able to predict, uh, whether people were going to stay together in the next four years. He has a, like a 95% accuracy rate. Mm. Um, which is just unheard of. I mean, it's it's amazing. Um, but what he found was that the telltale signs are what he calls sort of the four horsemen of the ap- apocalypse. And I hope I remember these correctly. Um, there's criticism. If there's a lot of criticism going on, uh, if there's contempt, contempt is the is the number one predictor of, that the relationship is not going well. There is, uh, stonewalling, people just not talking, and sort of a defendedness, you know, just always being defensive. Now, if you have some of these things every once in a while, it's not that big a deal, but when it is, uh, when it's occupying, these four things are occupying an awfully lot of your relationship, then you, you know you you really should uh, take some action, uh, get some help from a uh, a relationship coach or a relationship therapist. Now the 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 contempt sometimes is hard to pick up, but the contempt can be even little things like sort of you know rolling your eyes or, you know, little comments that are disconnecting, that are essentially saying, um, I don't value you.
2: Interesting. Mm-hmm. The little ones, but those are big things, though.
0: Those are very big things.
2: Or sniping comments. The sniping comments definitely
0: are contempt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and, and yet, you, and you know, about you know, I know couples who have been married 35, 40, 45 years and they just stay together. It all looks good for the children and grandchildren and extended family and friends, and it's a pretty front. But they, they, there's not a lot there. But they they don't move from each other. Yeah, and it's like they
0: they uh, this is very common where a couple may live separate lives but stay married, essentially. And right. That, and and that that is very common. It's not very fulfilling. And I hear this from my clients all the time, you know, wanting more fulfillment in their relationships and really not understanding how to
2: get there. Yeah, and just kind of, and when you say separate lives, it may not necessarily be separate rooms, but it's no. just separate in, you know, in sh- one goes to bed at eight, the other one stays up till one every night. The other ones, you know, there, there's. The the functionality of being together and going places and doing things as a couple is very present, but the connection is not there.
0: That's right. They're not intimate with each other, and I don't mean just sexually. I mean they're not sharing their vulnerabilities with each other in any way. They're not friends. And that is one thing that Dr. Gottman discovered through his research was that the foundation of all really successful and intimate relationships is friendship and trust. Mm -hmm. And, of course, we have to understand that if we have not been appropriately connected with, if we don't have that attachment history... And if we have that undercurrent of shame in our lives, it makes us less willing and able to be vulnerable. Mm. Do you see what I mean? It's like, so, and vulnerability is absolutely essential for establishing trust. Yes. It's also the core of creativity and success. Mm. Most of the really successful people I know and that I observe out in the world are willing to be and able to be vulnerable. And this is backed up by the research of Brene Brown, who I highly recommend. I love her work, and I think she's doing just a fabulous job of, of bringing this out into the open because we so, there's just an absolute abhorrence of talking about the subject of Mm. shame and vulnerability. We don't like doing it, but it's absolutely essential. And I think, too,
2: if you as a child, as many have, if you've had criticism, if you've had verbal attack, if you had to measure up, then you're going to try to make yourself less vulnerable because you're afraid you will be... Stepped on.
0: Absolutely. It's a natural response. And I think that that's the thing that is so important is making it clear that this response, this protective response is absolutely normal and that shame is absolutely normal. In fact, what we know from the research is that the only people who do not experience shame
2: are sociopaths who are incapable of empathy. I was going to mention that. Yes, interesting. All right, we have a couple of minutes left. So let's talk about what are some of the skills that couples can use to strengthen their relationships. It doesn't take a
0: lot. You know, you can start with little things. My, well, one resource that I like to recommend to my, uh, my clients is a book called The Five Languages of Love. You know, of understanding what your, what your partner's love language is. What really makes them feel loved? Very often it's very different than what you need to feel loved. So just taking that into account can really matter. The way, here's a, here's a a little example that my husband and I have discovered. For a while when we were busy, I would call my husband and he would greet me with, yeah. Right. And I would feel that disconnection and I realized that what I was going to start doing and I was real, I realized that I was doing the same thing. So what I did was I made a conscious effort every time he called me to greet him with something very welcoming like, hi honey.
2: Yeah. And something that
0: small can make a
2: huge difference. And you know when when you said that about five languages of love if i think of that in my own life of what what i you know what works for me and i'm not just talking about intimate love i'm talking about love in general yeah is when someone gives me their undivided attention looks into my eyes and is really really listening and engaged that is what i consider love and not trying to fix you
0: that's that's the right. other thing you know if uh, to be the, engaged, to just listen, even for five minutes. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes a big difference. Five minutes. So it, makes really it really makes different. a difference.
2: Yeah. And, and doing little things, a special note, a, a special guess. little things, um, you know, that mean so much to people, that little, extra time, that extra phone call, the extra fifteen minutes you gave somebody that you know was difficult for you, but you made it happen. That's the it. The real caring that you have for that person about their welfare, and you give them what it takes. I mean, those are things that I treasure.
0: And just noticing things about that about that person, so that they know they're really being seen. I gave right. a gift to um, a friend seen. of mine recently, and um, and she loves sunflowers. And um, and the gift that I gave her, I went to the, I made the extra effort to find that item with a sunflower on it, and she just loved it because she Mm -hmm. knew that I was really seeing her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just little things like that. It doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take expensive gifts or trips. It takes the little things. What Gottman found was how you respond to your partner asking you to pass the salt very often is, is, is as important yeah. as, you yeah. know, is actually more important than, right. you know, the expensive gift.
2: Right. All right. We've got about two minutes left. So, Bobby, how can people find you if they want to do some coaching with you over the phone?
0: Um, they can go to my website which is www.coachbobby.com and that's b o b b i e coachbobby.com
2: All right, and you work with people by phones? I do. Internationally. Okay. Yeah, which is wonderful. And the book that we've been that the book that Maryn Calendar wrote is Why dads, leave. Why dads Leave. Insights and resources for pa- when partners become parents. And I will,
0: I will mention to, um, Patricia that this book is a very compassionate and thorough look at the subject. So it's not at all, you know, it's very understanding and it helps you proceed in a, in a self-compassionate way, which is absolutely essential.
2: Thanks so much, Bobby, for being on the program. Thank you. That was great. So it's coach. Bobby B O B B I E dot com. That's right. All right, stay on the line for a minute. Okay, folks, so this wraps up today's program of Patricia Raskin Positive Living. On Voice America, America's voice. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need. You no, know, you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Mm-hmm. Bye for now.